Welcome to Eat, Drink, Innovate, the podcast about food startups, innovators and entrepreneurs who are making their mark in Australia's dynamic food and beverage industry. The future of food is happening here. Come join Susie White at the table to eat, drink and innovate. Aha! Hi, everyone. I'm Susie White, a product innovation coach, author and podcaster in the food and beverage industry from Melbourne, Australia. Today, I'm talking with co-founders and directors Richard Adamson, Oscar McMahon and Dan Hampton from Young Henry's. Young Henry's is a group of brewers, distillers, musicians and artists united in their passion for making exceptionally good beer, cider and spirits with a deep commitment to supporting their local community. In this episode, you'll hear about a meeting of minds in 2012 with Richard's experience in brewing and Oscar's hospitality know-how, prompting them to do more than just talk about their love of music and beer and actually start their own independent brewery. While Dan's progression from policeman to beer aficionado led him to Young Henry's within months of its startup and prompted him to get off a bar stool and join the team. And in the aftertaste section, I think back on my chat with Richard, Oscar and Dan to discuss the importance of building a community with your food and beverage business. So welcome to the podcast, Richard, Dan and Oscar. G'day, g'day. G'day, how are you? Hello. It's, uh, it's great to have not one but two but three founders of the business on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. I know it is a bit of a logistical nightmare trying to get three people on the line. I thought it'd be great to start the podcast and set the scene with the listeners if you told us a little bit about your current roles at Young Henry's and how do you describe your craft brewery? Mine's probably the hardest to describe what I do. Um, so I, I kind of look after some of the technical aspects of our brewing, uh, do a bit of government liaison and special projects, I guess. Mysterious, Dan? <laughs> Mysterious, Rich. Um, yeah, so I'm head of sales and a co-director and also sit across marketing with Oscar as well. And Oscar? I'm yeah one of the other directors of the business and a lot of my headspace is in sort of our um, marketing team and our marketing efforts. Also, uh, I spend quite a lot of time with our head brewer and quality team and our production manager just sort of putting out little fires and making sure that all the beers are uh, tracking as they should. You've clearly carved out quite discreet roles for each of you, but I happen to know, having done a bit of research before this interview, that you weren't all involved in the brewing business in your previous lives before Young Henry's. Can we just take a moment and just talk about what you did before you started this business? Well, I think that my younger years were dedicated to the decimation of beers as opposed to the creation of them. My younger years were basically playing in rock and roll bands, a lot of skateboarding. And uh, then I found a vocation working in hospitality. It seemed to be a good job for someone in a band. That was sort of how I viewed it at first. And then I kind of actually really fell in love with uh, hospitality. I really 
like food and booze and I guess my personality as well. I really enjoy being around people. I'm a social person and I really like the, um, the amount of people that you meet in the hospitality industry. And Oscar, I feel like you're being very quiet about your achievements here because the hard rock band you're in was actually the Hell City Glamours who were around for about 14 years and supported bands like Alice Cooper, The Angels and Rose Tattoo. It was a lot of fun. We made absolutely no money as a lot of uh, bands in Australia have done before. It, look, it was, uh, it was a really great experience. I loved it. We got to tour the States as well and a few other things. You know, one of the things which is a parallel I've taken from um, from playing in a band into sort of our life in Young Henry's is that uh, in a band you make decisions not based on financial outcome but based upon something that you feel is right or that you are into creatively. And I think one of the, the things that we've always tried to do in Young Henry's is make decisions like a band, you know, do all the members feel that this is a cool thing? Do we all believe in it? I can see the link, as you say. I can see the sense of community, the socialising, the teamwork that would translate really quickly into running a craft brewery. Let's go to Dan now because I feel like you've also had a different previous life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I explained it this way last time um, someone asked me, but I was actually the, I'm the son of a preacher man and I grew up in the salvos traveling around and, and having mum and dad run churches all over the place, which was um, very interesting. I think what I took out of that was uh, gave me the ability to um, have to make friends pretty quickly and that probably is one of the key things in sales, which is probably how I ended up doing that. But then I became a, um, a police officer straight out of school. I'd like most kids, had a um, policeman come to the school and tell us all about it when I was about in year seven. I, I went home and told mum and said, oh, that's pretty cool. Imagine if I became a police officer. She said, you can do whatever you want. And I went, rightio, well, then that's what I'm going to do then. And I was actually the youngest police officer in New South Wales until the next class came out, so I was, I was pretty young. You look back and you think, oh, what did I learn in that, that that's helped me? I think you learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about reading people, about just life in general when you're thrust into that kind of atmosphere, I guess, at such a young age. And But, yeah, then so I got I got back into hospitality. I was a kitchen hand when I was a kid before I joined the police and so I got back into hospitality, a bit of chefing, but then started managing restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So that's when the, the craft beer bug sort of bit and realised there was, there was probably – more that I could do and, and more, more passionate about than being a police officer. We're going to talk about your shared love of beer in a minute. I just want to throw to Richard now and just talk about his background, which I feel maybe a bit more traditional and certainly in the, the brewery industry. It was um, for a time, but you know, I guess I was similar to Oscar and I played um, in rock and roll for quite a few years I guess we bonded over the, you know, the love of music, but also the, the lack of cash that comes from taking that vacation sometimes. Then I ended up working in IT for um, several years um, before getting into brewing. So I was with a company called Barron's Brewing and um, we had a lot of success with the beers with, with that company. But I, I wanted to move on. I wanted to do something else that was probably more in touch with, with the, 
people drinking the beer, I felt, um, a little bit more local community focused. And um, that was kind of the genesis of the idea of Young Henry's. Thank you for, for taking us that trip down memory lane. Let's talk then about that point where the three of you got together and decided that Young Henry's was something you wanted to do. How did it come about? How did it all start? I guess it, it started over a bar, um, meeting over a bar. So um, Oscar was working at my local pub and we got to talking about a lot of things like music was probably the, the main point of conversation, but beer was the other. And we started running a beer club at the pub, um, which was exploring different beers from around the world and different sort of concepts. And I had in the back of mind that I, you know, I wanted to do something new and, and different and said to Oscar, look, it'd be great if we could have a brewery or a brew pub that was in touch with the drinkers as the beer club is. And I guess that was the start of us working towards starting Young Henry's. Many fine business ideas have started in a pub. <laughs> it's a good tradition. What about the name? I can imagine that's a hard choice. What do you name a craft brewery? Where did that come from? It was one of those things where, you know, Rich and I were always catching up at um, bars or cafes, basically working on the idea of this business that was, you know, just a uh, an unnamed business and, and just an idea at this stage. And Rich w- was looking after his son, Henry, quite a few days a week, and he would bring Henry along to the meetings, these catch-ups. And one time, it was a throwaway comment like, is young Henry coming to the meeting today? And then we were just like, oh, young Henry's. Oh, that's cool. As I remember it, we sort of put young Henry's down as a placeholder title that just never needed to be changed. You know, it didn't come out of a focus group or anything like that. It just sort of happened. And in some way, I kind of love that. I kind of love that a lot, so much of our uh, experience and our business has been so much off the cuff and things have just happened and lucky coincidences and so on and so forth. But I kind of love that young Henry's just kind of popped out and then just never changed. It's certainly got that, as you say, that real and personal connection. It's not something you just brainstormed in a a cold, hard business room. Let's talk now about this desire to get in touch with the people because I feel like that comes through really strongly in everything you see about Young Henry's when you look at kind of where you're set up and how you communicate and the names on your labels. Let's talk about setting up in Wilford Street in Newtown. How did you find the site and why did you choose that particular part of New South Wales? Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't really our first choice. We were, we were looking at a site in... Um Surrey Hills, more like a, a, uh, a restaurant bar with a brewery attached. And uh, we got chased out of there with pitchforks by the, by the locals and the council. And we're really just looking for a place to, um, to start brewing. You know, Oscar was, um, it, it had grown up there going to school at, at Newtown High. And I spent a lot of time, a lot of misspent youth in Newtown as well, seeing various punk bands in the 90s. So um, it was a place that we felt pretty comfortable with. And I kind of remember checking out that location, fairly under underprepared for um, for the seriousness of, of the meeting, but um, but getting through it nonetheless. <laughs> Choosing that one as our, a possible location. I remember that there was a significant hangover involved, <laughs> which I'm sure in no way clouded any judgment about any decisions. Absolutely not. Best thing we've ever done. And what was the state of the building? I mean, how suitable was it to be a craft brewery from when you first got it? It was a relatively unattractive 
1978 or 1979 red brick and green warehouse, you know, tucked away in a little back pocket of Newtown. The, uh, the building itself would not inspire anything of anyone, to be honest, but it was functional. It was close to, it was close to King Street and Enmore Road. It was in a really nice corner of a bustling community and it was big enough to house a brewery and it was zoned uh, mixed use light industrial so we knew we were able to do it. So day one starts, what do you make? How do you know which beer to make first? What drove those first decisions of brewing? Well, I think I've been reminded of this many times. Richard's idea for our first beer was uh, a beer called Natural Lager and I somewhat famously told him that I didn't think craft beer people were interested in drinking lagers. And, and he said, well, that means that we're discounting a whole style. And I was like, oh, wow, you're right. And um, so Natural Lager was our first beer we brewed, and it's still one of our staples and is our second biggest selling product still to this day. So um, Rich wrote all of the recipes in the early days and um, was really intrinsic in helping to define our beer style. And let's dive into that because I want to talk about it. Am I right thinking you've got five main brews at the moment, one cider and two spirits? Have I got that right? Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about those. I know with craft breweries, there's a signature, there's a style to the range. How do you describe the essence of what makes Young Henry's beers? I was going to say, I think we wanted to showcase Australian ingredients. So we, we made a conscious decision to focus on Australian hops. There were some burgeoning um, new varietals coming out that were probably more flavoursome than Australian hops were in the past. So one of our major signatures is that Australian hop character and really making beers we like to drink that turn out to be fairly fairly approachable, I think. I think that then is is really aptly captured in your sort of, I'd say your brand strapline, which is this fantastic uh, quote on serve the people. It sounds like a really weird thing to say. We, we say that a lot, but um, to put it in context, I think at the time craft beer was, was at the really early stages of booming, but what people thought of craft beer and the majority of what was being drunk, they were higher in alcohol. If you're comparing them to mainstream beer, they were higher in alcohol. They were quite hoppy. Um, the, you know, big malt backbones and so fairly challenging as a, as a whole to people that might be drinking mainstream beer but looking to try something else. So while it was an exciting time, I think we were one of the early adopters of the more sessionable kind of beers. And so it was probably six months into this journey that I joined the team and so I'd been watching watching what was going on. I had a, a beer club called Beer Snobs and and so I was sort of running a parallel life on the on the beach. These guys are in Newtown. I was over there in Coogee doing similar things. And then I was working for Little Creatures. And, and even Little Creatures were starting to um, play with beers like Bright Ale, which was like their flagship pale ale, but then a little bit more sessionable. And so there was starting to be a bit of a movement towards it, but... As Oscar said, no one was, not many people were doing lagers in the craft beer world and, and we sort of did one that broke through. But then we still wanted our other beers to be beers that people were drinking jugs of and pints of and not just 
buying a little thimble of it and sniffing it and and everyone sort of assessing all the the IBUs and everything. We really just wanted to be fear of the people because that's kind of who we were. I think Rich actually brought Serve the People to the table and I guess that what we loved about it was that Serve the People, it was in line with that initial thought after Beer Club of, well, how cool would it be to create a beer company that was actually in touch with the people drinking the beer? But the other part of it was that Serve the People was in like, beer is made to be served to the people. It is actually your whole purpose for being is you're creating something for someone else. And, you know, that rings true to our great relationship with the hospitality industry. Who, I mean, we're a wholesale business. We live and die by the things that are happening in the hospitality industry. And in a weird way, you know, we serve the people that are serving the people. You touched on the hospitality industry and that sense of connecting with the community. Let's let's dive into that a little bit more. How do you make those links with the community early on? I mean, I know you've got a tasting bar. Was that sort of the very first step that you opened up and started serving from the brewery or was it to go out and get distribution and, and start getting it into bottle shops? The first was uh, very much open the doors. Um, we were just serving tasters from a makeshift bar in the very early days. Uh, I think the the most important thing that Young Henry's was in those early days, it, we were open-minded and we had open doors. If someone walked in, we would talk to them. We would ask them what they were into. We would explain what we were doing. We would show them things. And we were actually just interested in including people but also hearing what they were into and what they thought and that made for some really exciting ideas and exchanges and it led to some some of our uh, initial customer relationships that are still standing today like uh, Hamish one of our brewers who's working on the keg line right now he actually rolled in one night on his skateboard when you know he was a bartender for the Union Hotel down on South King Street, and he'd come and sought out that he'd heard out heard about this brewery, and he came in and we ended up sitting on milk crates inside the brewery having a couple of beers and having a chat. And he ended up getting us on tap uh, at the Union, which is one of our longest-standing customers, and obviously he started working for us a little later on. That's an example of things that would happen every day in Young Henry's world. It's um, it's a really exciting place and people have always felt drawn to it and people have always felt ready to give their ideas or pitch us crazy, crazy thoughts, which is kind of cool. I think that's where the community um, link is too, though, because... If you think about it, the pubs traditionally are sort of central to the community and our main, our, first and foremost, our engagement is to go and um, chat to pubs and, and hopefully get our, our beer put on tap, which is no mean feat. It's a, it's a hard thing to do, especially when you've got the, uh, the big guys um, owning most of the taps. They go into pubs and, and buy most of the taps. So each pub will only have a couple of spare taps for, for the independent brewers like us. So it's not easy to do, but I think we were pretty good um, probably because of our understanding of the hospitality scene and, and also we were just 
fairly normal people, I think, too. We're not wouldn't come across like we're trying to do any hard selling on anyone. We're just a, a bunch of people creating a, a good local beer, and then, and then therefore we're engaging with the community through that pub as well. And and so from that, there's there might be people that I think like Oscar did working in pubs, um, supporting his his band playing habit. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people that work in pubs also there's artists and 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 so when they've got a, a gallery launch or something they'll come and um, hit us up and say hey I've got this can I you know can you guys do me some mates rates to to have some tinnies at the launch or, or something like that so I think I think it all sort of fed each other but I definitely found when I first came on board it was pretty amazing just being part of this business that was way bigger than that and just seemed like all of a sudden it became the this focal point for local people wanting to come and hang out and it also led to the reason we made cider just because we were having such random people come through and they weren't all into beer but they just wanted to hang out in a brewery so we ended up having to make a cider because we could only sell across the tasting bar what we made so we had to start catering to these people who really just wanted to come and hang out. It's time for a quick break now to thank our sponsor. When we come back, we'll hear from Dan, Oscar and Rich of Young Henry's about how they expanded their business into craft distilling and increased their distribution into national accounts. I'd like to say a quick thanks to today's sponsor who helped make this podcast possible, the Monash Food Innovation Centre. They can help you fast track and de-risk your new products in the Australian market or export markets like China. Did you know that only one in 10 food and beverage products survive the first year of launch? That means nine out of 10 fail. If you'd like to be one of those businesses that gets it right, then the Monash Food Innovation Center can help. It has cutting edge technologies, product development services, and runs capability workshops to upskill business owners and employees in the art and science of food innovation. Whether you're a food startup or a large corporation, check them out at www.foodinnovationcenter.com and see how they can help grow your business through innovation. Welcome back. Today, I'm chatting with Dan, Oscar and Rich, the co-directors and founders of Young Henry's. And so far, we've heard about their shared vision to start an independent brewery and create a space for the local community of Newtown to gather in and collaborate with. And today, their product range has expanded well beyond craft beer to include cider, gin and moonshine. And so I asked them, what was their motivation to expand their range to include these type of products? Yes, yeah, so the cider, the, the, there was a bit of a rise in, in cider consumption, I think. There was a lot of crap cider out there. There was, a, there was a lot of real full of sugar kind of stuff. But there was a lot of people that, that were starting to consume things in schooners that wasn't beer. So as we said, the f- first and foremost, it was to keep some locals happy who wanted to come and hang out with, with us or their beer drinking mates. But then, then we realised that we actually made quite a nice cider it was just literally fruit juice and it was it was not traditional cider apples it was royal gala and pink lady some more eating apples 
that have just been juiced. They've got a bit of wild yeast in there. We add in a um, an ale yeast, which is a bit different, and keep it nice and cloudy, carbonate it, and off it goes. It's quite a simple product, but yeah, that's how that's how that one took off with the um, with the gin. Rich, do you want to do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, I've seen distilleries pop up next to breweries a lot in the states. That was something that I was always fascinated in getting involved with as well was distilling. And there's a, some parallels there with with brewing in terms of actually making the wash, so the you know the original alcohol before you distill. So I thought that would be fun to get into involved with, and maybe something we could focus on. If, if, if beer sales ever slowed down, I was kind of wrong on that. Um, the beer sales didn't slow down, so it's still a bit of a side project. But it's um, but more recently, it's um, starting to get real traction because um, I think it's mainly because of the the bartenders coming into the brewery and trying it and loving it. So um, it's really picked up of late. Yeah, I can see how it would have some great synergies with your existing business. And you touched on then also the the idea of collaborations, and I've noticed that seems to be quite important to your brand. I think the most recent one was the the South Sydney Rabbitohs and uh, doing a, a limited release for them for the, the rugby league team. How important are your collaborations and how do you choose them? Oh, collaborations have been probably the most significant marketing activity we've we've done throughout our you know short existence. Uh, the idea of making a product with another company, you know, from a similar industry, that's not a that's not a new concept at all. And there were lots of brewers doing collaboration brews with other brewers, and we sort of thought, well, what if we, you know, what if we made a creative product with another creative? So instead of making a beer with another brewer, what if we made a beer with a band? What if we made a beer with a chef? What if we made a beer with a, a community radio station or an artist? And what was awesome about that is that it started spreading the word of craft beer because we weren't just talking to people who were into beer, we were talking to people who were into culture or into music. And so every time we did a collaboration like that, we'd noticed that more people would come to the brewery, more people were interested in it, uh, our social media followers would go up. It was also sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because once you start doing that activity, all these strange, weird, and wonderful people come out of the woodwork saying, hey, I saw that beer you did with that other person. I really want to do such and such. So we have this amazing groundswell of really great people from our extended networks all coming in and pitching these crazy ideas for different beers. You know, we've made things with the guys from Pond, which is a band from WA. We made a beer with Kylie Kwong. We made Moonshine with Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweat. We made a beer with the Foo Fighters. We've done a few beers with DZ Death Rays and UMI. The throughput to all of that is that they're all people we respect and they're all people who create and do things off their own back. I love that blend of food and beverage and art and music, as you say, that creativity runs really strong through all of those areas. I guess now that explains to me why... On your website, you have a tab that says extended family. And I had a look in there and I was, I was kind of surprised. I was thinking, now, why is a craft brewery flagging galleries and artists and not for profits, community spaces and publications? And I think you've just absolutely explained why that is because that is your community. That's your creative network. We feel we need to support 
community grassroots art galleries, bands, you know, artists, because they're our people. If you want or expect your community to rally around you and support your business, you need to do something for them first. You need to prove that you are actually a member of that community and that you are worth supporting. And we've always had a pay it forward uh, mindset with that, saying that we want to help foster the grassroots of you know, the art and music scene in this country because, look, our personal experience is that it's really hard going and people are out there creating awesome stuff. They're not doing it for money. They're doing it because they need to or because they, they want to see something they believe in exist in the world. So we feel that there need to be more people championing those efforts. And now let's talk about the, the business and, and go back to your business model a little bit. So Young Henry's has now been operating for seven years and I think when you started back in the early days, I think the figures are something like there was about 180 Australian breweries around and now there's nearly close to 600 just in Australia alone. Was there a point where you thought, yes, we're going to make it, this is proof and things are going to go well? Oh, that'd be nice. Imagine when we get to that point. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's... um. You can never really rest on your laurels. That's the point. You've just got to keep on pounding the pavement, um, working and, and um, innovating and trying to make your beers the best all the time. I do remember like, a, a, you know, when we hit the 100, 100 keg mark, we did 100 kegs in a week. That was, that was a big celebration. Things are a little bit different now in terms of scale. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you ever feel comfortable. Yeah, there's probably been milestones and, and uh, there's probably been more sales volume related, but then also, um, I guess, employee related. You know, we've got about 80 staff now and selling about 1,500 kegs a week. And, and, you know, we're now a national business. We've got beer in every state and territory in Australia. So I think there's certain milestones that we've got to and said, oh, wow, if it was crap beer that people didn't like, we wouldn't have got this far. But I think it's with all those other players in the market, you're not only up against the big guys, then you've got you've got all the other little craft brewers out there, all the other independents that are all vying for the same spots. Yeah, it's it's tough, but I, I think the um, recently the, the the independent brewers associations formed and got a bit stronger, and it's um, I, I guess it seems like it's it's starting to get a, a little bit more organised and and. and both Rich and I are a part of that as well to try and um, help grow the industry, grow the sector, and, and that's a real important part of how we're going to keep growing as well. And you touched on then that leap into kind of national distribution, and I'd imagine that was a, a huge point of scaling up and success for you when you got the distribution in the, the bigger liquor outlets like the BWS and the Vintage Cellars and the IGAs. How did that shift strain your resources was it sort of a sudden hit and a sudden gearing up oh no i think we we um we sort of held off for a while i remember rich and i were at the airport at melbourne and um coming back from a beer week or an event or something and we'd we'd actually had um a girl that looks after dan murphy's um or or did at the time she'd been hounding us she's very persistent and but i think at that time we still saw the coles and woolies as a bit of um you just heard a lot of horror stories about 
about how little breweries were were dealt with, but in reality, it was quite a different experience. I, I think they changed their ways, but we probably weren't across it. And so we were ready for it, but it's still, you, you don't know how, how it's going to be received. You've got to be selling a certain amount of beer per bottle shop that they put you in to, to keep your spot. We've managed to, to do that. How persistent they were at trying to get us on their shelves, I think they were pretty confident it would go well, which was, um, which was nice. And it did go well. I mean, that first initial stage of going into the majors, probably the biggest business difficulty to us was the cash flow drag. You know, I think that there'd been 14 different deliveries made before the first invoice had been paid. That effect to our operating capital was, uh, was really difficult. I remember the last, sort of the last month of that, Basically, all marketing activity ground to a halt. No one was able to spend a thing, you know. And and then we finally got through that. And then once the invoices start getting paid, it's like, okay, everyone, you can start partying again. <laughs> and um, not only is it selling, you're obviously doing clearly very well in those channels. I saw you've been voted Brewery of the Year, I think it was 2019 for Vintage Sellers. Yeah, look, we've we've formed some great relationships with those guys, and and um, and all the all the major bottle shop chains now, which was cool. I think they like the way we approach business. They, they obviously, the beers sell well. That's that's the, the no brainer part that they've got to tick off. But we're always coming up with ideas, and as Oscar said, we're always open to hearing other people's crazy ideas. And I think we we're a bit known for that. And a lot of these bottle shops, all um, the chains are trying to do something different. We ended up doing a collaboration with Jamison Irish Whiskey and Perno, who own Jamison, have got a great relationship with vintage sellers as well. And so they sort of grabbed exclusive of that. And, and that's just another example of A, us sort of collaborating with someone different, but but also adding some value to um, to someone else's business as well. But oh, I say we, we've won a few awards in the last couple of years and, and they always come at a time where you it feels like they come at a time where you're thinking, oh, are we doing the right thing here? And what about the, you know, the brand? Are we are we looking after this brand right? Are we going in the right direction? And then then you win a most distinctive brand in Australia award and, and we go, right, okay, I guess that answers that question. But it also makes you think, right, we've got to double down here. We've got to keep going. We've almost got an obligation to um, to our customers to, to keep going the direction that we're going in, which sometimes can be quite quite tiring but we've got each other to lean on which is good (laughs) (laughs) and um, I have to ask when you see that success particularly at a national level it's usually when not only do the accounts come knocking and ask to distribute your product but also it attracts some of the bigger industry players and I'm wondering have you been approached by the big beer players with some acquisition offers at this stage is is that something of interest in the future it's not really something that we're interested in so it's not really a focus. I think to attract those sort of conversations, you have to put yourself in a position where they're welcome. I don't really play squash with the CEOs of any of the big brewers. In fact, I don't even play squash, to be honest. <laughs> See, there's your first mistake, mate. You play squash a bit more often. <laughs> yeah. Look, I tell you what, Sue, so if you see me with a squash racket in the future, maybe I've changed my mind. <laughs> Look, I think the other part, to, we kind of we kind of laugh about this, but I reckon we'd look like a, a complete shit show to uh, to a lot of the big guys. How the hell would they um, would they continue running this business? I think it's um, we've probably created something that 
a lot of people want to come and be part of, but I think um, a straight-up acquisition doesn't seem like the most logical thing. The way the market's moving and changing and evolving, who knows what's going to happen there. You know, we a bunch of us might all team up and do something or we might team up with a, an overseas company. It's just it's kind of really exciting um, because there's no clear-cut future, but we do know that we're all still pretty amped on doing what we're doing. So so for the time being, and it's just um, it's pretty much business as usual. And what advice, just to wrap up, what advice would you have for any, you know, young startups who are wanting to start a craft brewery? Any parting words of advice for them? My piece of advice is always make sure you you go in with people that you trust and that you um, connect with. You know, I think we're we're really lucky. We found each other at the right time, and and so that's a big reason why things have gone okay for us because. Um, we really trust each other and, and we work hard for each other. But I think if you go into this kind of arrangement and you've got no idea about each other, it's like married at first sight. Which I, I don't watch the show. I'll ask Oscar because uh, it's his favourite show. <laughs> Look, I think that anyone wanting to enter the craft beer industry, you've got to be passionate about it. It's a really hard industry. It's capitally intensive. It is long hours and hard work to get, you know, brand right, production right, you know, your distribution right. In those first few years, really the passion and the excitement about what we're doing, that was what was getting us through, not the meagre amounts of money we were able to put into our bank accounts. Yeah, if you want to do this, you've got to be all in. Great advice. And if people uh, who are listening do want to find out where they can buy your beers or your cider or your spirits, if they want to know your opening hours for the tasting bar or just to connect with the three of you, what's a great way for them to get in touch? Probably best is either through Facebook, which is you know, facebook.com forward slash Young Henry's, or our website. And on our website, we actually have a stockist map where we try to have all of the different people that stock our beers actually listed on a map. So if you are looking for beers in uh, an obscure place, jump on and you'll hopefully see the thing closest to your house. Thank you for that. And I did want to say, look, it's really hard to get three people together at the same time. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you to Richard and Dan and Oscar and best of luck for your business. It is a beautiful, enviable, unique, creative business. You're definitely onto a winner. Well, thank you very much, Suze. We really appreciate it. Cheers, Suze. Thanks very much. Aftertaste, the sweet taste of success. Thanks for sticking around. This is the part of the podcast when I think back on my chat with Richard, Oscar and Dan from Young Henry's and reflect on a learning from their experience in starting and scaling up an independent brewery. And today, I'm going to talk about the power of supporting and building a community with your business. Young Henrys have a mantra and unerring commitment to serve the people. And their experience in doing so clearly demonstrates the power of building community connections that in turn supports your business. Although the word community can refer to many things, in the sense I'm talking about today, I'm defining it as a group of people connected to each other by shared values, attitudes, and experiences. 
building a community around your business is much more intangible and yet strangely sometimes easier to do than brand building, especially if you're a new or smaller business. So how do you go about building a community with your food and beverage business and why would you even bother? Well, the first step to building a community is to focus on shared values and attitudes. This transcends just rationally promoting product benefits like your local ingredients, homegrown recipe, or founder's story on your packaging. It's more about creating a feeling of belonging and pride in your customers so that in buying your products, they feel like members of a like-minded tribe. You do this by sharing values. Young Henry's doesn't really have a classic demographic target market. Instead, they value and celebrate local creativity in its many forms, whether that be in a special brew of beer, lyrics of a song, paint on a canvas, or items of clothing. As Oscar said, we thought, what if we made a creative product with other creative people? And we found then that we weren't just talking to people who were interested in beer. We were talking to people who were into culture or music or art. And these shared values have led to collaborations for Young Henry's well beyond the traditional playground of the brewing industry. These include collaborations with the likes of Dusex Machina, UMI, The Foo Fighters, Campos Coffee, FBI Radio, the Art Gallery of New South Wales, Kylie Kwong, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra Vanguard, and the South Sydney Rabbitohs, as well as countless other bands, artists, venues, and galleries. These collaborations have not only built a groundswell of passionate advocates for Young Henry's products, it's also significantly increased the awareness and reach of their brand well beyond traditional craft beer lovers. The second step to building a strong community is to start locally. Being founded by Newtowners, supported by Newtowners, and even brewing a beer called the Newtowner helped Young Henry's become an intrinsic part of their local scene. This stems right back to their choice of setting up a brewery and tasting bar in a converted warehouse in the back streets of Newtown. And It also guides their choice of local community groups to support, like the Newtown Neighbourhood Centre and local charity Too Good. As Oscar said, if you want or expect your community to rally around you and support your business, you need to do something for them first. You need to prove that you are actually a member of that community and worth supporting. So Young Henry's willingness to champion other local businesses and causes has cemented its value in the local Newtown community, who in turn look for opportunities to support this local business. And the final step to building a community with your business is to encourage shared experiences. Now, this isn't about overtly flogging your product through branded sponsorship or advertising. No, it's about tapping into shared interests and creating experiences that help people to connect with you and your products. Young Henry's Tasting Bar in Newtown acts as a local touchstone for its customers. It's a place to relax, unwind, and simply hang out with friends. 
this direct connection with its customers ensures that young Henry's stays close to what its patrons want. It means they don't have to do market research or surveys. By serving at their tasting bar, they're listening and responding to customers' desires in real time. This is how young Henry's found out that serving the people sometimes meant not offering them a beer at all. And this encouraged them to expand their product range into making cider, gin, and moonshine. So in summary, building a community around your business isn't something you can do overnight, but you can start from day one. And it means treating your business and its customers as a shared entity that supports each other. Well, that's it for this episode. Many thanks again to my three guests today, Richard, Oscar, and Dan from Young Henry's for sharing their inspiring journey of business growth with us. And thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to tell a friend and join me next time to eat, drink, and innovate. Do you have any suggestions about successful food or beverage entrepreneurs and innovators in Australia that you think Susie should be talking to? You can get in touch with her at eatdrinkinnovate.com.au forward slash podcast and find all the show note links and innovation resources there too. And if you like this podcast, please help others discover it by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from. 